this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. The Jay Allen Show is streaming now on safetyfm.live. Hello and welcome to this edition of The Jay Allen Show. Today's Tuesday, April the 21st of 2020. I hope all is well with you and yours as we continue to go through these difficult times throughout the world. Well, I want you to sit back today and enjoy a conversation that I'm about to have here with Bill Striner, also known as Uncle Bill on LinkedIn. Bill is a safety professional with over 20 years of experience. He says that he enjoys building relationships and has the ability to explain technical concept to non-technical folks in a fun and non-threatening way. Bill has a great deal of experience with successful change management and building culture of safety is a major change for many in the construction industry, just as it was in the Marines and the fire service. Bill has learned teamwork in the Marines and learned how to be self-sufficient in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. He learned process from McDonald's and learned how to work and play well with others in kindergarten. Yes, you might be wondering if Bill or Uncle Bill is a comedian. Sounds that way from time to time. Well, take this moment and welcome Bill to the show. Got it, got it, got it, got it. How are you doing today? I'm doing, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing about the same. <laughs> So thanks for taking the time of actually doing this. I know that this was probably one of those weird things in life where you're like, why is this guy, dude randomly reaching out to me via LinkedIn to try to get me onto a show? Well, you know, as we are all extremely busy right now, I, <laughs> I know you understand the sacrifices that I'm making, uh, oh. but he haws over. So, you know, I got nothing until two. Oh, okay. Well, well, that's that's the important part. So let's see. I'm in the Eastern Time Zone. You are in. Let's see. Pacific. You're in the Pacific. Pacific. Oh, so you, we got some time then for sure. Yes. That's that's the good part. Well, I appreciate you actually taking the time to do this. So originally, when I reached out to you, I, I was interested in having you come on. Of course, everybody's talking about the same thing: COVID nineteen the things that are going on in the world and of course the world of safety where we kind of hang out in. So as I started going down the journey, the more research I did about you, the more interesting it got. So I like to always start, start off asking people all kinds of weird questions, but I guess I'll start off asking the, the most, I guess, obvious question. How did you start getting involved in the world of safety? You know, it's a funny question. Um, I joined the Marines in 1984. Okay. And safety, you know, it, it's cool to say safety is everyone's responsibility, but safety was the small unit leader's responsibility. Okay. Yes, everyone was responsible for their own safety and the safety of their teammates, but there wasn't a special safety person. You, you know what I mean? The, the corporal or the sergeant was in charge of safety. Uh, after the Marines, I played around in the uh, IT field and got into uh, uh, project management and business process and things like that. And again, this was all stuff that I was used to handling as a non-commissioned officer. 
right? You know, we have a process. How do we improve it? How do we make it take less time? How do we make it more effective? How do we make it take less effort, right? So it was kind of weird. I kept uh, going back in my mind towards what I had learned and finding it to be useful, right? What my mentors had taught me. Then I got into the fire service and uh, both as a volunteer and as a paid firefighter and as an EMT and a volunteer EMT. And I enjoyed the heck out of that. Uh, I got to help people, but it got old very quickly because you never got to prevent the problem. You always helped with cleaning it up. I took a job as an EMT at a construction site. And for the first time, I'm working with people whose title is safety. And they're, they're explaining all this stuff to me. And it, it sounds like, well, wait a minute. Wh why is this a job? <laughs> why are there special safety people? It didn't, it didn't make any sense to me from my perspective. But I thought, gosh, here's something I could make a difference at, right? So I took my OSHA 10, I took my OSHA 30, I took my OSHA 500 and uh, the 90, 5901 and 5900. And I don't remember all the numbers, but <laughs> basically I took a whole mess of classes. And then I started helping more and more on the safety side because there was very little for the EMT to do. And so I had some really good mentors and they were showing me things and all the things they thought were bad that safety people sometimes do, like, you know, running in and saying, everyone stop, you're all horrible people and I'm going to issue you citations. Um, these were all things that I had learned in the Marine Corps and in the fire service. These are, these are not good ideas, right? You, you want to come in and you want to say, Hey, how's it going? What are we doing? Why did you choose to do it this way? What, what were your trade-offs? You, you know what I mean? You have conversations with people. You don't dictate to them. So, then I got a job just doing safety in construction. Then I, I was able to write up enough of my history so that the BCSP said, okay, you, you've got two years experience in safety. So I took the CHST test and, and now I'm a safety guy. Well, hold on. You did use some unique wording there. You wrote up enough to show that you had two years experience, but at this point you had way more than that. I mean, not solely as a safety person, but you had done enough things. But here's the thing. The BCSP doesn't particularly care for the fire service as a, uh, as an example of safety experience. Right. So I had to show that I was responsible for the safety of my people, not just putting out fires and, you know, untangling cars from around people. Yeah. I mean, why would putting out fires or untangling cars count as anything towards safety? I mean, what are you talking about here? So 
often in life. Sarcasm, no, just no, in no, case. No. Sarcasm, just in case. No, I, I totally get it. But often in <laughs> life, we perceive the world through a lens, right? And so if you take someone whose only experience is, uh, uh, only experience with the fire service is the movie Backdraft or, or the show Emergency, <laughs> then you think that the primary uh, requirement for being a firefighter is a mustache. Right. True. Um, if if your only experience with the military is watching Gomer Pyle or Hogan's Heroes, then your impression of uh, the leadership skills and abilities of a non-commissioned officer is, is fairly low. Right. We we all view the world through our our own lens. And our perspective, whether you call it perspective or bias or whatever, we're stuck with it because it's built into us. So at the BCSP, and many safety people think of firefighters as horrible safety people because they always want to run forward and just fix things. No. <laughs> you actually have to exercise that muscle between your ears as a firefighter sometimes. This is The Jay Allen Show. Avatar Management Services exists to make the world a safer place. And in the wake of COVID-19, they can help you conduct your essential safety training. Avatar is offering you a free 60-day access to their learning management system. With their LMS, your training will be mobile-friendly and easy to upload. For more information, call Avatar Management Services at 330-963-3900. Or visit their website at avatarms.com. During these challenging times, it is important to maintain focus on all industry risk. Unfortunately, slips, trips, and falls continue to be significant risk in the workplace and at home. Training in Inviodine Slip Simulator has proven to reduce the risk of slips, trips, and falls by up to 70% through innovative hazard awareness that is also lots of fun. Search Slip Simulator or visit Inviodine.com for more information on purchase, lease, or to schedule on Slip Simulator training. We can work together to improve safety at your workplace. Thank you for listening to Safety FM. We are here to help you in this time of need. Make sure to join us on Patreon forward slash Safety FM. And we are back on the Jay Allen Show on Safety FM. And I think that's what people tend to forget from time to time. So how did it lead you into the safety space? So it led you into the safety space because of the different things that you had done and you realized how easy it was. We'll say easy with air quotes, of course. So part of it is that with air quotes, yes. But part (laughs) of it is uh, it was a way to get ahead of the curve, right? Ahead of the tidal wave. So uh, as a firefighter, uh, whether whether you're a volunteer or a paid firefighter, because honestly, there there's no difference um, to, to the emotions and the the brain power required and everything else. Okay, uh, the person filling that slot might be different, but the requirements are the same. So, let's say you're a volunteer firefighter, and so you have a pager that's going to go off. And when it goes off, it turns on a radio receiver so that you can hear the call. Okay. And it plays a recording of the call. 
you you now know whatever the dispatcher knows about what's wrong. And you have to go there, figure out what's actually wrong if it's different, which is 99% of the time. And unless it's like a fire, fires are easy. Um, and then you have to quickly use the little Lego blocks of skill sets that you have to build the solution to the problem. Okay. You don't get to get ahead of it. And that was kind of what was neat in the Marine Corps and kind of what was neat doing uh, a business process uh, analysis and engineering and re-engineering was that you could get ahead of the problem, right? You could, you could prevent the horrible calamity, right? You, you could prevent the next calamity. Um, and so that was the neat thing about safety was now instead of showing up and there's blood everywhere and broken bones and people in need of immediate help, here's your chance to say, hey, wait a minute. What what if instead of just a sign that says 20 miles an hour around this corner, we, we just blocked off the road? <laughs> <laughs> right now you and i know that someone will just run into the blockade we've built but it you know it's the thought of how do we prevent the the pain and anguish and and horrible results Un, unwanted outcomes so as you decided to go down this and do this stuff what has actually kind of been the driving force behind everything i mean so you you've taken a look at the different aspects of course you have a lot of experience i mean right there from when you were in the marines to pretty much the firefighting thing especially with something that you're doing right now we're talking what 84 to current Is that about accurate well there was a big break okay so after fun in the sun 91 i got out of the marines and uh, I, I did a year running a, a, a software store, okay? That's, that's a hell of a change. Well, that was the job I could find. Um, <laughs> okay, well, then that makes sense. The, the thing is, when, when, but believe it or not, even though every Veterans Day, everybody says, hey, you know, thank you for your sacrifices, and they mean it. It's important that you understand that they mean it. People fear hiring veterans because um, they're different. It's not because veterans are scary. It's that they're different. They think differently. Okay. So after Fun in the Sun 91, right, you know, we just had a 10-day war. Okay. And and we stopped it because we ran out of background music. You know, people started playing stuff from the 70s and – and the higher up said, no, no, that's it. If you people can't find your own music, we're done. Cute. <laughs> but when I got out, I started trying to find jobs that I thought were things I could handle, right? I figured, well, I should be, you know, a uh, uh, running a business unit or doing this or doing, you know, something important. I, I have all this experience. People were terrified, right? And add on to that the fact that I was a, a high school dropout with a GED. 
and had no college except for a bunch of one-offy classes via Navy campus, right? Um, in hey, those 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 count. Don't don't you know? Don't discredit them. They they, they count. They they count, right? And and I studied aeronautical engineering flight operations, which was a major I made up myself. Okay, <laughs> but it doesn't it doesn't equal a degree, right? Mm-hmm. And especially in the nineties, and even even today, people look at that degree and they say, "Okay, you're qualified to start at the bottom." And if you don't have that degree, you're not qualified to even start at the bottom. So after a month of uh, living in what used to be my old bedroom at my parents' house, which was now uh, my mother's office for her tax business, I decided I just need a job so I can make money so I can have an apartment, right? So I went and I took a part-time job selling at, here's a blast from the past, Egghead Software. Nice. Within within 30 days, I was the assistant manager of the store because no nobody who was working there wanted anything out of their job there but the discount on software and hardware. So let me get, let me kind of go a little bit further down then, if you don't mind. How does the, okay? And I know that a few days ago I asked you this before we kind of got on, and I normally don't try to get any information ahead of time just on purpose. And I, when I asked you, how did you come up with the character of Uncle Bill? You told me that is not a character. Now, I've seen the videos online. And I, I mean, if I, if I would have said, I would have said that they're very character driven. But you told me, no, that that is a, pretty much a term of endearment that you got when you were in the military. Yeah. So how did this come about that you decide to start going? Let's post some of this stuff online. Uh, it was more uh, the fire service. Um, okay. I wasn't old enough to be Uncle Bill uh, when I was in the Marines. Uh, okay. So I have I have this whether you call it a blessing or a curse. I I inconsistencies uh flash out at me, right? Or what I perceive as inconsistencies. So they're not necessarily inconsistent, it's just what I see as being inconsistent. Okay. And one of the inconsistencies that has really been bugging me um, is kind of this bias that I perceive in the safety community. Okay, not the folks outside the safety community, but within the safety community. And so I was looking for ways to, to express that Right. So I'm going to express a new idea to people and I want them to actually listen instead of getting turned off by it. So I decide to try and be a little fun about it. Right. And, and I talk to them like I would talk to uh, people on a construction site or people in a firehouse or uh, people in a squad bay. Right. It just honest and genuine and little bit of humor mixed in because you've got a captive audience and so it's easy right 
And, and so this is how I would communicate with people in the fire service, in the military, in construction safety, in industrial safety. So I just brought that to the, to the screen basically, because I had, I had nowhere else to bring it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you can only have so many safety interventions with your cat. This is the Jay Allen show. Uncertainty and the unexpected are uncomfortable. And even though we are in the sea of it, you don't need to feel adrift. At Be Highly Reliable, we are all about strategies to better navigate the unknown and more efficiently recognize and respond to the unexpected. While our major focus has been healthcare, we love to teach anyone performing high-risk work the powerful, proven, and universal strategies of highly reliable organizations. If you love training that's fast, fun, and immediately actionable, connect with us at BeHighlyReliable.com. We love to make new friends. Unlimited Safety Solution is your one-stop shop for everything safety and leadership. Our motto is, we don't think outside of the box because we're never in it. We are headquartered in Washington State, State, but can facilitate your needs anywhere in the U.S. as well as Canada. We have professionals that can help you with keynotes, deliver training, develop your leaders to reach higher than their potential in a variety of different disciplines such as safety, HR, quality, and corporate leadership. Tell us what you need and we will give you a hand. Call 253-267-3444 or visit us at www.bestsafetyok.com for more information. Thank you for listening to Safety FM. We are here to help you in this time of need. Make sure to join us on Patreon forward slash Safety FM. And we are back on the Jay Allen Show on Safety FM. Before they decide to try to kick you out. Yes, absolutely. Well, I was going to say before they (laughs) (laughs) Well, then let me ask a question because you're taking the, we'll say the different approach, but you're also kind of tied into a group. And if I'll go by name here with the American Society of Safety Professionals, that's kind of well known for standardization and doing certain standards. So how does your, how does your vision line up with what they're doing? Well, so I have, I have no problem with standardization. Right. Okay. I think standardization is good, but where where I have some differences of opinion, okay, just strictly speaking about the ASSP, right? So, are, are is this going to be okay? I mean, yeah. I want to make sure. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. If you read my stuff, I I say this all the time. I say this at ASSP meetings whether it's regional meetings, uh, uh, local meetings. I, I said it at the national meeting last year. I'll say it again at the national meeting this year if we have one. Um, it's, 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 it's looking virtual at the moment, just in uh, case. And, and I understand. And that'll make it easier for people to ignore me. Um, <laughs> so currently, we say that there is a difference between a member of ASSP and a professional member of ASSP. Okay. You with me so far? I am. Okay. So the main difference is a degree in anything.
Okay, that's a pregnant pause. Well, I under, I understand. I was I was waiting, I was waiting for feedback. Um, see, I'm used to conversations in person, so I I can't see your facial expressions. So I know that that's why I love radio and podcasting so much. Understand. <laughs> so you have a PhD, right? Correct. Um, may I ask what is your PhD in? Industrial and organizational psychology. Okay. Now, to my mind, that is something that could be very useful to a safety professional. Okay. What if your PhD was in animal husbandry? I would definitely be taking a different approach to life at the moment. Now, here's the thing. Um, as, As a safety professional, something that at some point we all come to grips with is that people from all kinds of different backgrounds can be very successful at what we do. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. So there's, there's no, there's no line that says someone with a PhD in animal husbandry cannot be a safety professional. Right. And there should not be a line. I'm not, I'm not advocating for that. What I am advocating for is if a person with a degree in uh, a, a doctorate in, uh, please correct me if I get this wrong, uh, industrial and organizational psychology. You got it. Okay. And a person with a PhD in history of the American musical. If both these people are qualified to be professional members, then why wouldn't someone with 30 years experience in industry or 30 years experience in the Marine Corps or 30 years experience in the fire service? I'm, I'm not saying. Someone so, the, so, so let me ask the question there. Is that something that's enforced by the ASSP or is it enforced by the BCSP? Uh, Which one's actually making that determination? Now, both groups independently have rules that are very, very similar. The difference is the BCSP says you must have this degree to sit for the CSP test. Okay. And at the ASSP, they say you must have this degree to be a professional member. Okay. So the two are different. If you have a CSP certification, from before the four-year degree was required, right? Mm -hmm. You still can't be a professional member of the ASSP unless you have a four-year degree or better. It's it's on the website. It's in the rules. So do you think that the rules are outdated and antiquated? Well, it's not so much. This is an this is an opinion question. I so I mean that, that that's why I want to make sure, and I don't want to get anybody in trouble no, because no, no, I know no. that sometimes because here's what happens a lot of times if I talk to someone and this is the norm that's from the ASSP or involved with the ASSP, either the conversation gets cut really really short or they don't want to go down these paths with me, and well, I can understand to some extent. Here's the thing: I have nothing to lose, right? I don't. I don't make money running an organization that uh, prefers memberships or uh, 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 prefers certifications or anything like that, right? 
I'm just a person trying to disrupt the status quo. So I have no problem talking about this. And what's the worst that can happen to me? Oh, are they going to, is someone going to kick me out? Really? That would be hilarious. You're going to be exiled. You'll be exiled. There's already a BCSP sniper team outside my house. Okay. So. <laughs> you, you shouldn't even joke about that. I mean, some people, it's funny part that you mentioned that because a lot of people tell me that based on some of the things that I say on one of my other shows, that I should be careful on what I say about the ASSP and the, and the B, um, the BCSP, because, you know, there, there's, there's significant money involved with some of the things that they do and that I should take that into account before I say some of the stuff that I say, but sometimes I just don't have some common sense when I'm actually doing it. Well, but here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with them making money. They need to make money to exist, right? We can't help anybody if we can't keep the lights on. Okay? So, like, recently the BCSP came out and said that their exam core could be used for recertification points. Right? And I put a, a thing up on LinkedIn where I said, is this an ethical problem? And several people came out and said, you're stupid. It's okay for them to make money, blah, 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 blah. And, and they missed the point. The point, or, or, or I failed to get my point across, right? Let's, let's be 100% fair, right? They might have missed it, or I might have failed to get my point across. But it's not about the BCSP making money. It's about the fact that the BCSP authorizes instructional entities, whether it's the ASSP or some training company somewhere, to issue CEUs. And then they turn around and they authorize themselves to issue CEUs. This is a conflict of interest. It it raises ethical questions. And people were, were just pinning on the money. And it's like, well, what's... Why doesn't anyone understand what I'm saying about ethics? And at first I thought it's because ethics isn't taught in college. That's not the problem. The problem is that there are so many different schools of thought on ethics. And I'm stuck with my view on ethics that I was taught and that I have taught others. And other people are stuck with their view on ethics. And many people think of ethics and fiduciary responsibilities as the same. So at any rate, back to the ASSP. If we agree that a person with a bachelor's degree in history of the American musical and a person with a bachelor's degree in theoretical physics are a hundred percent identical when it comes to that plus two years experience in safety, you can sit for the ASSP, ASSP, CSP, sorry, BCSP, CSP test, (laughs) right? ASP test. Then we're saying these are both valid sets of prerequisites to be a safety professional. How is that different than 30 years experience in the Marine Corps being mentored and mentoring others or 30 years experience in the fire service or 30 years experience in industry? And what have you been told? Uh, At the ASSP, uh, they told me, 
uh, they were looking into that. And and thank me for bringing it up. Um, How many years ago? No, I'm no, joking. <laughs> the last time I said it in public. Okay. So I said it at a rock meeting, right? Regional operating conference. And, and I got told, okay. wow, that is a great point. Thank you so much. And then I said it at the House of Delegates meeting or, or the actually the annual members meeting after the House of Delegates meeting uh, in, in New Orleans last year. And again, everybody in the room uh, uh, applauded and gave me, you know, the eighth grade nod. And uh, several people came up and spoke to me, you know, people in uh, positions of authority in the organization. They didn't take you into a different room wearing a hood or anything, right? Oh, okay. Just a second. You said people with authority. You said people with authority. You know, pulled you aside and talked to you. I just want to make sure. Everyone was very positive about it, and yet there's been no change. Now, I think part of this is because you know, I, I write about it up on LinkedIn and people respond with, well, it's a profession. There must be a barrier to entry. Well, no, see, and again, well, there, is, but there is, and there isn't, that's the fun part about the whole thing. I mean, it's kind of like, it's an older set of rules. Now what throws me off or gets me kind of weirded out about some of the, the stuff that actually occurs inside of the ASSP in particular is that, okay, they have a lot of good concepts in regards to what they're trying to portray. Right. And I'm not saying that they yes. don't, but what happens is, is they make it seem like they're going after millennials, which if you look at some of their marketing aspect, there's a lot of millennials in their marketing. It is great. But when I have went to some of the meetings, I have not felt that same way that there's tons of millennials there, especially from the national side. But a lot of the rule sets seem to be like, older demographic, like those things have not been advanced or changed. The other portion that I look at is that I go and I look at some of the requirements. Like I refuse to get a certification okay. based on, based on me having a doctorate. So why should I have to get something else in regards to being part of this, part of this group? That's just my, my opinion. And that's what I, what I've opted to do. Now I did have a certification coming up because I used to be in the transportation world quite a bit. Okay. And I remember talk, wanting to talk to someone inside of the ASSP about their membership for the show. And I was actually on the conference floor. I want to say this was in San Antonio. And I was told that they would not talk to me on the air because I actually had certification related to another organization. Huh. And this was, this was free airtime. I was there. I wanted them to promote their memberships. And I was told no because I had a designation from the World Safety Organization. Not the World Health Organization, just make sure. So I thought I've ever since then, it's kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. That was one of the things. And then just some of the weird requirements on some of the other things that have taken place. So let me kind of go back for a moment. You right now have a CHST, which for those who don't know, a construction health and safety technician. So would you do, would you do it over again? The thing is, uh, I'm in California, and California okay. is very certification centric. Okay, um, you either have to have a degree or a certification uh, to work. If if you want to do something other than going to the freezer and getting the box, so I I got the certification. That's what that, that's that's with the union. Keep that in mind. 
<laughs> I can't get into the union. <laughs> oh, okay. So, you know, the union doesn't want to hire a 53-year-old or even a 48-year-old because the union rules say at 55 you can retire. Um, so they're terrified that I'm just going to be around for a few years and then retire. Um, but, but at any rate, the, I like the idea of both the BCSP and the ASSP. Okay. I think they're great ideas. I think that like with anything, everything can be improved with iterative improvement. This is The Jay Allen Show. At Hop University, we cut the bullshit out of human and organizational performance training. We were born out of necessity. We hear it all the time. Human and organizational performance courses are expensive and hard to find. Safety classes put me to sleep. Help. So we did. We offer on-demand, high-quality online courses in human and organizational performance, safety, and leadership, all led by seasoned safety and hot practitioners. No need to schedule time for that conference, no need to track down the latest guru, and no stuffy classroom required. Join us today at hopuniversity.org. That's H-O-P-University.org. Thank you for listening to Safety FM. We are here to help you in this time of need. Make sure to join us on Patreon forward slash Safety FM. And we are back on the Jay Allen Show on Safety FM. Okay, so let's run with that then. So let's say, for instance, tomorrow the ASSP and the BSCP reach out to you and say, hey, listen, Bill, we want to get some of your ideas. We want to move forward with it. What would be the first thing you would want to change? And no, I'm not going to ask you to run for president next, just in case. Somebody already <laughs> had that discussion with me, and I said, nah, I want to be done in history as the first ASSP president to be assassinated. Um, oh, geez. Wow. You, do, you went deep and dark relatively quick. <laughs> in the military and the fire service, that's where humor goes. Deep and dark relatively quick. Well, 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 both of my parents were in the Marines, so I kind of know where it comes from, but it just, you know. <laughs> For audience purposes, it's kind of like, whoa, what did, what did you just say? So. Okay, so <laughs> for instance, why don't we start with the BCSP just because that's where the certifications come from. Okay. Okay. So currently, we have different rules for different people for taking tests. Right? Correct. So if you have a a PhD, the amount of experience you need to take a test is different than if you have a bachelor's degree or no degree whatsoever. And that kind of comes out of the world of academia, right? Where your status, your title, your level of completion of education has a bearing on your status. Okay. But you know what else the world of academia has? Is they have a publish or perish rule. So why don't we? If we're going to follow the rest of what academia says, why wouldn't we we do the one stringent thing that they do, which is you have to publish original thoughts and original ideas, and it has to be approved of by your peers. Okay? 
why don't we have a rule like that? Why isn't that part of recertification? And have you brought this up and have you received an answer? Well, I, I brought it up on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, well, but you know how that is. You get people from LinkedIn and I, and I'm not picking on people on LinkedIn, but we get a lot of keyboard warriors. And I mean that with the, with the, with the best thing behind it, you have some people that agree, some people that disagree, and that's perfectly fine. But then you have some people that take these really deep dives into, I just want to argue for the sake of arguing. And then they want to type a way of, let me bring my other, bring my other connections in for, we can argue with you to see if you'll actually just close it down. <laughs> well, yeah, there, there is a lot of that, but it's a public forum, right? Absolutely. And it has reach to, to people that are involved. Um, now I can't really communicate with anyone directly in the BCSP because uh, those that I was connected with are no longer connected with me. Um, uh, anyway, they, they removed themselves or you removed them? They removed themselves, but it could be for many <laughs> reasons. So we won't speculate about that. Um, <laughs> there was an there was a virus inside of the computer yeah, system that caused them to remove you in particular. Yeah, That's what it was. I understand. They were using Lotus Notes. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I understand, <laughs> and it makes perfect sense. Um, now, as we, as we move on from that point, in theory, if we there is very valid reasons for saying, "Hey, wait a minute." You don't just have to have a safety degree to be a safety professional. But since we specify an ethical code, you would think that X number of hours of instruction or mentoring in ethics and a proven ability to, to utilize ethics would be a prerequisite for any certification. Um, Ethical validation of ethical knowledge and abilities and traits isn't really easily uh, uh, um, judged by a multiple guess computer test, right? Um, if if you had any of the BCSP certifications, you would have seen some ethical questions on the tests. Uh, the ethical questions I saw on the test were kind of kindergarten level. They were so simplified that the answer was obvious. Okay. And realistically, where, where ethics, to me, where ethics comes in is when everyone around you wants you to take a certain action that you know deep down is wrong. That's where ethics comes in. Okay. Um, so that would be the next step is if, if we're going to have prerequisites, let's have prerequisites that build towards what we say is important. Right. We say every time there is a study or a survey done, we say that the soft skills, air quotes, are the most important thing to a safety professional. So leadership, communication, ethics, morality, intestinal fortitude, you know, these sorts of things. <laughs> now, I have an issue with society referring to these as soft skills. And 
my belief is that we refer to them as soft skills because they're not easily taught in a classroom with a book. Doesn't mean they can't be, but they're, it's not easy. Okay? It's not easy to build standardized testing for these things. And yet, universities used to teach this 60, 70, 80 years ago. Right? It, it used to be a byproduct of your education. Right. The Marine Corps, the U.S. Army, the U.S. Navy, the Air Force, the Coast Guard, sports teams, the fire service, the police department, uh, par paramilitary type organizations, service type organizations, seem to have ways of teaching this. So where, where did we lose it? And why can't we bring it back? Why, we refer to them as soft skills, air quotes, but are they soft? Or are they real, live, hard, technical things that can be taught, can be learned, can be mentored, can be germinated, whatever you want to say, <clears throat> and, and developed? And I think they can. Okay, so maybe instead of saying our our barrier to entry is you must have a degree how about our barrier to entry is that you must prove that you understand ethical behavior so let me ask a strange question yeah. then and i know that you referenced earlier that you have a g that you have a gd so are you would you think that people might say that you're saying this because you're anti-college degree? Well, I've also got six years of college. I'm I'm not anti-college and I'm not anti-degree. Okay. So just as I think it's wrong for someone to say, because you don't have a degree, you can't do this. I also think it's wrong to say, well, because you do have a degree, you can't do this. Right? Both Both are the opposite sides of the same coin. Okay. Let me let me ask you this. When you originally got your bachelor's degree, okay? Did did you meet any single person in your college career those first 4, 5, 6 years, however long it took you to get your bachelor's? That you Really? You said you said you said 5 years, jeez, man. What you think? Oh, no, no, no. It, I think four it was something five, like that. Five, it was something like that. You're right. I, I know a lot of people who 5 or 6 years. Um, right. I also know people who did it in three. But yeah, I was taking the van. I took the Van Wilder path nice. a little bit longer than most. <laughs> but did you meet anyone in college who you felt possibly wasn't someone you would want to trust with uh, your car, your family, your business? Yeah, multiple people. Okay. Um, so what you get out of college is based on what you put into it possibly it, it hypothetically it is possible to get a degree and not really learn and retain new things or new ideas or new agreed agreed so so is the piece of paper 
which we say is universal, right? So at the BCSP, if you have a four-year degree in animal husbandry from a university in Wyoming that is accredited, or a four-year degree in Indian language studies from a four-year university in India, that these are the same. How are they the same? It's all about perspective, but you already know this. Well, it, it is, but what we used to do was we would make the person with the foreign degree go through a special set of hoops to prove that their degree was equivalent to the U.S., Meanwhile, in the world of education, a majority of the world is ahead of the U.S. Absolutely. Right? So it just seems odd. Why should I, if I got a degree in France or Germany, why should I have to prove that it's equivalent to a degree in the United States? When when I was in high school, they were saying that a, a secondary school diploma was equal to a four-year degree in the United States right? A, a European secondary school diploma was equal to uh, a baccalaureate degree in many subjects in the United States. Um, Do you know how many people are, are, are upset right now that you just said that out loud? Oh, I'm sure there's tons. But here's the thing. <laughs> right. It, I mean, here, here's going here's gonna to be the funny part about this. Some of this conversation, you know that some of the groups that you're talking about, some of their higher ups are going to listen to this. And of course, they're going to be upset about the conversation being had. But this is also a conversation that needs to be had in a public forum, I believe, yeah. where the discussion is there. And let's kind of get some people to really have the conversation opposed to let's hide behind our our rules and our guidelines. And this is the stuff that we have written out and we can't change it unless there's a board vote. Above. OK, let's stop with the crap. And let's kind of have some realistic conversations on what's going on there. And you keep on using the example of somebody who has 30 years experience right. inside of the safety and, industry. And so why does that, that not count? Okay. I do not have 30 years in the Marine Corps, 30 years in the fire service, 30 years in industry. I'm not talking about something that would benefit me. I'm saying right. there must, if, if we can say that the degree in history of the American musical and the degree in sociology, psychology, or, or physics are identical, then there must be other things that are also identical. Okay. Right. And if one of the, one of the tenants that the BCSP and the ASSP stand behind is we want safety people to develop, we want organizations to develop innovative and realistic safety programs that are resilient and can constantly be improved. So shouldn't our own processes meet the same test? Shouldn't we? 100%. 100% they should. I, last year, I went to the OSHA working group on leading indicators. And I was very pleased to hear several high-ranking OSHA uh, uh, supervisors, managers, directors, vice presidents, whatever, talking about the need for organizations to not treat their workers as if safety were just a punishment. 
right? Boom. Boom. That's golden right there. Now, so I raised a question, right? Because I'm a loudmouth. I said, we want the business owners and the business executives to look at safety as a positive and proactive thing. And yet, we, the safety industry, meaning OSHA, meaning the insurance agencies, we treat those same business owners and those same executives as everything about safety is only punishment. Why do we expect them to grasp this higher meaning if we can't find ways to utilize the higher meaning when dealing with them? And I think that is the question right there. Right. And because honestly, there are a lot of people out there that are good people. They, they have families, they have children, they have puppies and kittens, and they don't kick them or mutilate them. Who honestly and truly believe that many of the rules and requirements that we give them are unfair. Okay. We need to address that. We, we can't just go about saying more safety is better safety. We're going to have more rules. We're going to have more regulations. We're going to have more requirements. Safety is better safety. I don't care how many times you say the word safety in a day. I care how many times your workers hear the word safety in a day. Does that make sense? That makes sense. And Bill, I think we're going to leave it at that. Here's what I'm going to offer to you. And of course, you tell me if you can or not. I would love to have you come back and continue this conversation. Sure. Um, because I think that there's more that we can dive into. Um, but for right now, if you don't mind, tell the listeners where they can find some more information about about you. Um, and then you do, you do reference, of course, you have the videos. I also did notice you're an author, but we didn't get into that. And so that's going to be some stuff that I want to cover as well. Understand. Uh, yeah. So all my stuff is up on LinkedIn. Nothing's behind a firewall. Uh, you know, you can read the Dirk bloodbath safety professional stories up there. You can, you can watch uncle Bill's safety minute videos and uncle Bill's obviously zombie apocalypse minute videos. <laughs> Okay, well, Bill, I do appreciate you coming on to the show. Thanks for having me. I, I apologize that your users wasted an hour. Nah, they didn't waste any time whatsoever. This is going to be, I'm going to tell you, this one's going to be what I say, ear hole gold there. <laughs> <laughs> it's all perspective. Well, this brings another episode of the Jay Allen Show to an end. As we have discussed on some of the other shows on Safety FM, I would like to actually present this out there. If Jennifer McNeely, the CEO for the American Society of Safety Professionals, or Diane Stiegel, the president of the American Society of Safety Professionals, would like to come onto the show, they're more than welcome to. We would give them as much time as they want on safetyfm.com, the radio station. This would give them the ability to interact live in an unedited format on safetyfm.com and safetyfm.live. We will present you this opportunity until May the 5th of 2020. Please feel free on reaching back out to us here at Safety FM if you would like to do so. 
don't worry, listeners. We'll be back with another episode of The Jay Allen Show before too long. Goodbye for now. Want more of The Jay Allen Show? Go to safetyfm.com. Thank you for listening to Safety FM. We are here to help you in this time of need. Make sure to join us on Patreon forward slash Safety FM. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.